this is Shannon Lynn, and you're listening to the Dialed In Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest on the Dialed In Podcast, Dan Cassetta. Now, Dan is going to be joining us all the way from California, and this is a very special guest today because Dan and I go way back, I'd have to say about 20 years when I was working with Vector Marketing and Cutco. Dan is a dynasty builder. Throughout his career with Vector Marketing and Cutco Sales Organization, Dan has been a one in a million achiever and transformational leader. He became the most successful and influential field manager in nearly the 70 year history of Cutco. And his programs for leading and developing teams were integral in sparking the company's rapid growth and expansion. Throughout his various roles with the company, Dan has coached and mentored top sales reps, managers, executives, teaching skills like selling, leadership, financial well-being, and personal development to the company's top talent. Dan helps create champions both in and out of his Cutco business. His influence has extended nationwide through speaking, writing, and hosting gatherings of like-minded, successful-oriented people. He's the co-author of Success Starts Today with Jack Canfield and Cutting Edge Sales with John Berghoff, Hal Alrod, and who's who of powerful present-day influencers who started their careers with Cutco. He's also working on his own long-awaited solo project to be released soon. As a respected and trusted business leader, Dan has a profound impact on thousands of entrepreneurs, leaders, and salespeople over the past 30 years. His passion is in adding value to the world and leaving positive ripples everywhere he goes. Dan is host of his own podcast, Changing Lives, Selling Knives, and he has over 160 episodes so far. Today, we're going to chat with Dan on what it takes to make this world a better place. We're going to learn a little bit about personal growth. We're also going to learn about what it takes to make a good leader. And then, of course, find out how Dan dials in. So without any further ado, let's go chat with Dan Cassetta, one of my favorite friends from California. Welcome, Dan Cassetta. I am so excited to have you here today as a guest on the Dialed In podcast. Um, You're coming to us from California today, and I hear that it's an amazing day down there, and I wish I was there actually myself. I wish you were here too. Someday soon, I'll definitely, uh, definitely come back for a visit. Yeah, once we start letting those Canadians back into the country down here. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. (laughs) (laughs) So you are a transformational leader and the most successful and influential field manager in the 70 year history of Cutco. Can you give us some background on the amazing experience you have had with the Cutco Vector organization these past 30 years and perhaps how you ended up on this career path? Yeah, I'm happy to. And thanks for having me on your podcast. I'm uh, honored to be here. Grateful. Um, So as you mentioned, it's been 30 plus years. I have to use plus now. 
<laughs> since I started working in Vector and Cutco. I was 17 years old when really by dumb luck, I stumbled upon a chance to uh, you know work with this company. I was getting ready to start college and wanted to find a job where I could actually learn something from it. Um, and I saw, you know, this was a sales opportunity. I didn't really know if I could do it, but I liked the product and I thought it would be something other people would like as well. And that it was worth a try for me to be able to take this on for some personal growth and see what happened. Um, so that's where it started for me as just a 17 year old selling the Cutco product. Um, and within my first year, with the company, I had enough success that I got involved in, in a management capacity, first as an assistant manager, and then running my own territory for a couple summers while I was still in college. Um, did really well with that. So when I graduated, it just made sense that this would be my, quote, first career. Um, I was good at it. Um, I was around um, people who are very good influences on me. Um, you know, there's that whole principle that we become like the people we spend the most time around. And, uh, I, I understand now why that happens. And, you know, even back then I realized that, Hey, if I can be around that person and that person and that person, uh, that's really good for me. They were, you know, leading me in a very positive direction. Um, and there was a lot of opportunity. Um, when I started in Cutco, the, the year I started in Cutco, the company sold about 26 or $28 million. Um, and, uh, you know, this year in 2020, that's going to be over $300 million. So there's been a lot of growth that's happened during this time. And, you know, I was sort of at the front end of a lot of that opportunity. Um, that's kind of how I got into it. As far as why it's, I've stayed around for 30 years, um, one reason would certainly be it's been a great income opportunity, but that's available in a lot of places. It's been an income opportunity that has come with a good degree of flexibility. As a Cutco manager, you really operate like an independent business person. And so, you know, I had a chance to schedule myself in the way that I wanted throughout the year, throughout most of the year at least. And that was important to me. The people, again, is a reason why I've stayed around for so long. It's really a fun group of people to work with. And then I would add the impact that I feel like uh, as leaders in Cutco, we have on the world because we are recruiting and training young people at a time that's so formative in their life. And we're really providing them with life-changing experience and knowledge and mindset that really makes a difference for people. And that's a, uh, that feels good. Thank you for sharing that. And I think it must be over 20 years now since I first met you at a conference somewhere down, I think in the States, one of the conferences, there were many, we traveled all over the world with Cutco. So yes. yeah, exactly. It's been yeah. a while that we've known each other for sure. Mm -hmm. So on top of all of the things that you're doing with Vector and Cutco, you are also doing your own podcast as well. Yeah, I decided to start a podcast um, almost two years ago, began hatching the idea um, and, and ultimately arrived that I wanted to niche something directly at the Cutco Vector audience because that audience is pretty big and I have a good, you know, good level of credibility and trust with that, with that audience. And so I started a podcast uh, to feature all of the people who sold Cutco when they were younger 
and are doing amazing things in the marketplace today. And so it's called Changing Lives, Selling Knives. And um, it's been a lot of fun over the last year and a half now since the podcast released. Um, I've done over 160 episodes at this point. Um, and that's been, uh, been a really fun sort of passion project for me. So I have a really important question to ask you next, but before I get to that, I just want to ask you one more thing about the, the Cutco Vector experience. What would you say has been probably out of 30 years, I'm sure there's so many experiences, but what would you say has to be on the top of the list for amazing, exciting, fun things that you've been able to do with the company? Yeah. Well, if you think about it as like fun things, I would definitely point at, you know, our company trips that we have, as you referenced that there's a lot of travel that happened when you were part of uh, the company. And every year we take a trip, um, that's uh, a lot of top achievers win. There winds up being three, four, 500 people on these trips. Um, and we sort of alternate between, you know, a sun and fun type of location and a, what they call cultural location. And the cultural location typically means Europe. Um, and so we have literally taken trips to, you know, to Italy and to London and we were in Paris uh, here right before the pandemic set in. Oh my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, um, you know, Prague and Munich and all kinds of other cool places like that. Um, To me, that aspect is really the fun part. It's the time we spend with people in the business, but we're not working. Um, Mm. There's a lot of that that goes on and that that is the, the, the most fun part to me. Um, when I think about memorable times, I do think about like key milestones that were achieved. Um, there were a number of times where my sales team became the first to ever do something in the company, um, like selling, you know, a, a million dollars in the summer or selling, we sold, we were the first to sell a hundred thousand dollars in a week. Oh my and goodness. I can, I can remember those moments. I can remember you know, with the hundred K week, I can literally remember the name of the rep that sold the order that put us over the mark, um, you know, during that time. And those were really exciting times where we were stretching ourselves to achieve, you know, momentous goals. And we were enjoying the moment as we were going through the, you know, enjoying the journey, I guess you could say, as we were trying to strive for the goals. And sometimes we hit the goals, other times we didn't, but those times were always really memorable as far as stretching ourselves and rallying as a team to try to accomplish something momentous together. That's so beautiful. And just the the community and the feeling of doing something together like that is amazing. We're experiencing a little of that right now also, Shannon, with what has happened in 2020, because in mm-hmm. March, when everything got shut down, we were extremely concerned about what was going to happen, how we were going to operate. I mean, I wouldn't go so far as to say that the pandemic was an existential threat to our business, but it certainly made us feel like we were going to go backwards for a while until we figured some stuff out. And it took us literally five weeks to transform all of our programs in March and April, and then actually begin gaining traction with them. And as it turns out, we literally are having our best year ever my organization just broke its best November ever. Um, and so to be able to see what's happening right now in our business has been a really exciting time for me as well uh, to know how we responded to such an incredible challenge 
and have done so in a way that has created great success. And, you know, we just are so fired up about where things are going for 2021 and beyond. That's exciting. And I think Vector and Ketco have always been great at adapting and innovating. And I even remember seeing one of my old representatives from when I was a manager, that must've been, I don't even know how many years now, 15. And, uh, and he was living in Japan and, uh, you know, back and forth from Canada to Japan and was winning a push week, (laughs) um, on zoom. And it was just, you know, so amazing to see that, um, how things transitioned and still, persevered during the pandemic. Yeah, exactly. On your website, you state your personal vision as my passion is in adding value to the world. I do this through my own consistent personal development and through sharing the ideas and concepts I learn, both inside my business and through my daily interactions with others. I sincerely strive to have the positive impact on everyone I meet and leave positive ripples everywhere I go. So the big question is, how can we make the world a better place? How can we leave positive ripples everywhere we go? There's an expression that the outer starts with the inner. And I do believe that the starting point for making things around us better is making ourselves better. Um, I believe in lifelong learning. Um, I'm the kind of person who is constantly either reading or listening to audios um, or something that is contributing to my ongoing process of learning and self-improvement. That's something that I really uh, inherited from people that I began working with in Vector when I was 17, 18 years old. Uh, I started this process and it's something that has continued to this day. I think that's the first thing I would say to anybody that wants to make the world better is how can you make yourself better? And what I think follows from that is that we are sharing what we're learning with other people, Um, that we all create some sort of outlet to be able to share the things we're learning. This is part of why I wanted to do the podcast was that outside of my own you know, sales team that I get to influence and direct on a regular basis, it would give me a greater voice to be able to, or a bigger audience to be able to share some of the things that, uh, that I'm learning in my life or that other people are learning that I could sort of facilitate the, you know, exchange of that information. So uh, there's an expression that the teacher learns more than the students. And I really believe that to be true. And the reason that's true is a concept that I would call internalization of value. Um, We have to internalize information if we're going to use it. You may have heard this expression, you know, when you squeeze an orange, you get orange juice. And what that means in a bigger picture is that when you put anything under pressure, what's inside comes out. Well, Shannon, you and I are always under pressure every single day to make good decisions, to take the right action, right? To have discipline, follow through, um, all of those things, um, you know, are, are hard to do and there's a pressure there and what's inside of us is what's going to come out. And so, uh, the more that you are teaching things that you've learned, the more you actually internalize the concepts, they become a part of who you are. There's a lot of repetition that it takes to really get something 
to that level where it's internalized. So to me, this idea of making the world a better place starts from within um, and then continues with the way we are sharing what we're learning with other people. Mm -hmm. I can definitely uh, identify with that, especially being a teacher of yoga and meditation. Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah. and then once we, once we understand that, um, I just think that every day we have opportunities to make the world better. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it should become a part of the way we live our lives, right? If you just think about um, how could you make the experience of being on this earth better for other people around you and you did those things and everybody else did those same things, well, it, your experience living here would also be better because of the things other people do. And um, I kind of view it as like we'd be baking a bigger pie that we'd all be getting slices of, but the pie would be so much bigger if we all are contributing value, right, to the world. And this could be something as simple as like smiling at somebody that you pass by or, you know, holding open a door for someone or paying someone a compliment to make them feel nice. If we think about what's best for the collective good, and if everybody else does that, we build a better world that has more to offer for everyone in it, including ourselves. Mm -hmm. It sounds so easy when you say it that way. <laughs> Well, it is. And it, it, the, the hard part is that not everyone buys into that yeah. and that not everyone contributes to making the world better. You know, I think about something as simple as like someone who litters, you know, a person who litters, it's like, it's like one of the most ultimate selfish acts. <laughs> They're getting rid of something because they don't want to hold it. Right. Now, everybody that passes by is going to see that piece of litter until somebody picks it up, which I usually do, by the way. Um, but everybody that stops that passes by is going to see that. And that like their experience is going to be a little tick less than it could have been because somebody else was selfish. Well, if we can learn to act the opposite of that and just think about how we can act in ways that are selfless and everyone does that, um, the world would truly be a, a much greater place. And we can just only hope that everyone comes to that. You know, I don't know if it's awareness or, evolution in their consciousness or what it is, you know, that brings a person to that state where they care not only about themselves, but about the greater good of humanity. You yeah. Know, it definitely will be an, a nicer planet to live on. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's great. It's great, but it'll be even better, right? Yeah. Getting everyone to come around um, is, is clearly and unfortunately not going to happen. But <laughs> if you and I can affect a few who affect a few who affect a few, you know, if somebody listens to this podcast and goes, you know what, that's a good way of thinking about things. And maybe I could change a little bit about how I respond and, and interact on a daily basis with people and, and they change and then it, it, it impacts others. Like there's a ripple effect that happens. Mm -hmm. um, we can transform, you know, much of the world through our own individual actions and leading others. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. So what are the top three concepts that come to mind that you enjoy sharing with others? Ah, what do I like to share? Um, I think about, I have this, this uh, 
list of what I call some core philosophies that I think are really important. And I'm, I'm trying to pull them out here. And um, to me, the first thing that comes to mind is a Jim Rohnism. And it's the idea that uh, success is uh, not something you pursue. It's something you attract by the person you become. So rather than chasing success, which is what a lot of people do, Mm -hmm. um, that's sort of like trying to chase a butterfly. It's hard to catch. (laughs) Um, But if if we instead grow our own selves, um, we tend to attract the circumstances in our life that are better, that are more in line with what we want. Mm -hmm. So I think the first thing that I try to share with people is that is to get buy-in on that concept that just the very process of personal growth is the key to success. After that, I think the most important thing that I like to share is the concept of meaning-making. This goes all the way back for me to when I was probably about 19 years old and um, began studying Tony Robbins. Um, I got to go to a Tony Robbins seminar uh, literally when I was 19 um, in April of 1990. And he teaches something. The quote is, nothing in life has any meaning except the meaning we give it. Mm. And I remember hearing that first from him. And I've heard that same expression in some form or another multiple other times from multiple other sources over the years. And what I've really learned is that there, there are things that happen to us in the world right? Like on a daily basis, we have experiences, we're interacting with other people. And so inevitably, there are going to be things that just happen that are outside of our control. And uh, those things happen to pretty much everyone. Uh, these things are sort of like the weather, right? If it, if it rains tomorrow here, it's going to rain on everybody who lives here, not just a few of us. And um, how we respond to those things is up to us right? After something happens to all of us, none of us are like Pavlov's dog where you like have to salivate because somebody rings the bell. We all have the choice to make a decision. How am I going to respond to this? What meaning am I going to give to this? There are people who will have an experience and the meaning they give to it is life sucks. I have no chance to do anything I want. This is terrible. There are other people who will have the same exact thing happen to them and they will say, hey, you know what? I'm going to be stronger because this happened right here. I'm going to find the answers around it. I'm going to seek some help and support, and we're going to make it through this. We're going to be better. This is going to be a great story to tell a year from now. That element of meaning-making to me is just a huge factor. I can remember when I had a, um, a, a rep of mine who was pretty young at the time who had her father die. He was maybe 20 years old, maybe even 19. And her father died and he was young. Um, and, and I can remember sharing this particular lesson and having it really register with her that, you know what, I'm going to choose a meaning in this to be empowered, to be inspired, to carry on my father's legacy in a positive way, to live the way he would have wanted me to live, not to sulk or be negative because something tragic just happened to me. And so even under the most tragic of circumstances, we have the ability to choose the meaning that we give to something. And and what I think sort of follows out of that, Shannon, is another Jim Rohnism where he says, it's not what happens, it's what you do that makes the difference. 
right? So these things are going to happen. We're going to give them meaning. And then what are you going to do, right? What are you actually going to do? The people who are most successful um, empower themselves through the meanings that they give to things. And then they choose positive actions. They, they you know, make, set clear goals for what they want. And they start to take the steps in the direction that they want to go. They actually do things that are moving them toward what they want. Um, to me, those are those would be the the core concepts that I try to um, share with people that I work with as sort of a foundation for personal development and for success. Mm-hmm. All so important too. You know, it is a choice on how you react to everything. So thank you so much for sharing that. That is so important for for people to hear. I want to dive into a little bit of um, leadership here. So you are an extraordinary leader. You're a regular guest speaker at universities throughout the Bay Area and have been welcomed into multiple organizations to share your insights in areas of training, leadership development, creating a culture of collaboration, growth, success. You also host a mastermind group containing some of the most successful CEOs and executives in the Silicon Valley. And you participate in other gatherings of leaders all across the country. So the question is, what defines a good leader? And has, has this changed at all over the years in society? It's a, it's a, it's a big question. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Um, what defines a good leader? Um, I think that there's a, there's a paradigm that has become, uh, quite popular in leadership circles over the last decade or so, um, which is the servant leader paradigm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think it's worth any leader considering how do you view yourself in, in, in terms of that, uh, that idea, that paradigm, that leaders are here to serve others, not the other way around. Yeah. And, and I just think that the first aspect that makes somebody a good leader is, is getting that. It's like my job is to help other people that are in my organization get what they want and get what they need. Um, I had someone recently who was in my organization um, make a request and it was a pretty unreasonable request and it was presented in a very distasteful way, like with just total entitlement. Um, It's the kind of request that makes you want to like, just give them the middle finger. You know what I'm saying? And as a leader, you have to catch yourself in those times where you want to like meet your own need to have your ego validated. Mm -hmm. And you have to stop and realize this is somebody that works for me, Um, you know, and I basically have to view it as, uh, well, I'm here for that person, Mm -hmm. right? They're, They're in my organization, but I have to view it as I'm working for them, not them working for me. I'm here to help them meet their needs. They had a need that they felt you know, was necessary to be met. And it was my role as leader to see what I could do to help meet that need. So just catching yourself in those times where you kind of realize that you want to get your own uh, need met um, and, and that instead it's our role to meet the emotional needs and the, and the you know, emotional and other needs of our people. Um, I think that's where leadership starts. I would also add that 
influence is a critical part of leadership. A great leader is typically a great communicator. Mm -hmm. uh, they are excellent in the art of promotion, getting people excited about where they're going, building a vision for an organization. Um, that's all really key. Um, they, they do a good job at what they do. They're competent and they're, therefore their results are typically good. And people look at what results have you produced if they want to follow you. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's important to be good at what you do and be, be truly competent at what you do. Um, I would say that in addition to those things that trust is the foundation for all good relationships mm -hmm. and every leader needs to be especially conscious of doing the things that are building trust within their organization. There's a famous book, the five dysfunctions of a team and like absence of trust is like the base of the pyramid of a dysfunctional team. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, that to me is where a lot of leaders fall short is, um, there will be moments where they could make it, you know, a decision that clearly shows that they are, have their best interest of their people in mind. Um, and they make the opposite decision and it compromises trust and it's very hard to rebuild. Mm -hmm. Um, and so there's a lot of times I would say as a leader where I may make a decision that, that today, right now in the short term isn't necessarily the best thing for me. Um, financially, for example, would be a good, a good place where this happens, where you make a decision, maybe to, you know, that you're going to buck up and spend some dollars to, um, to solve a problem that might not uh, uh, yield a return to you right now. Um, mm -hmm. But the more that you make decisions like that, the more you build trust and the more that you succeed in the long run. So trust is a key aspect as well. When we talked about, you know, what makes a good leader, how has that changed? How has that evolved? Mm -hmm. um, I think the core tenets of leadership are the same as they were when, you know, you were first in working in Cutco Vector, and you know, during your, uh, you know, five or so years you had, or, or even from when I started um, 30 plus years ago. Um, but I, but I also think that there's leadership that's needed in the moment. Mm. And for example, I think we have that right now, right? Um, there's a pandemic going on in the world. Anybody that's listening to this podcast knows that, right? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, and it calls for its own level of leadership. It's a very contentious situation where people have some very divergent beliefs. Um, we need leadership around the ideas of civil discourse, Mm -hmm. right? And being able to have conversations with people where somebody disagrees and you can talk about it and you can learn from it. Um, it seems like much of the world wants to live in an echo chamber where you're only talking to the people who completely agree with you. And if, if everybody did that, there would still be people living on the earth that think the earth is flat mm -hmm. today, mm -hmm. right? It's like our thinking has evolved and grown because somebody challenged conventional thinking. Others were willing to listen and consider, and some type of civil discourse ensued. So a leader should be able to facilitate that within their own sphere of influence. Um, there's also, of course, a need nowadays for greater efforts for equality, right? I think that's mm -hmm. come to the forefront a little bit more here in, in 2020 than before. Mm -hmm. um, and it's something that's out there, right? And, and you know, that as a leader, like I, I, I want to try to help create 
um, more, you know, more diversity in my own organization. I want to try to, to help everybody have as much equal opportunity as possible. It, I want to try to help level the playing field, so to speak. This doesn't mean that I want to change the score after the game's already been played. I don't view equality as everybody being entitled to equal results, but I do view it as everybody should have an equal opportunity and how mm -hmm. can we facilitate that more? And I think that that element of leadership is something that's more prevalent today than it was necessarily uh, years ago. I mean, it, it, the need was there years ago, clearly, but it's more of a prevalent focus area today than it was before. So leadership for the moment would be something I thought about when you're asking, you know, how has leadership changed? I just kind of looked in my, at my own leadership philosophies and realized that I've had an evolution over the years. Mm -hmm. And it's constantly evolving, you know, through, through this pandemic, I'm sure it'll evolve even more. <laughs> right. Of course. Mm -hmm. I want to dive a little bit into uh, well-being as well, because you're highly successful and you are also probably aware that in major corporations today, success is almost expected to come at the cost of personal well-being. Do you think it's important for companies to implement a well-being plan for their representatives or employees? And why do you think this is important if you do think it's important? Yeah, wow. A well-being plan. Um, the first thing that comes to my mind when you ask this question, Shannon, is the idea of um, you know, why we work. Um, and I would just say that we work so that we can live the life that we want. We don't live to work. It's right. the other way around, right? Mm -hmm. We work to live. So for example, I see like, you know, young kids busting their butts so that they can get into a certain school so that they can, you know, get a certain uh, type of degree and get a certain type of job after like the whole purpose of all of that is so that those kids can become adults who are happy and well-adjusted and fulfilled in their life. Right. And if they're compromising their own, mental well-being just so they can get into that Ivy League school or whatever it is, then what's the point, right? So uh, it, that's the first thing that comes to my mind when, when I think about this idea of a company having a, a program for well-being is that if you buy into the idea that we work so we can live, well, then of course, every company should be thinking about how can they better the well-being of their employees, of their team. Um, we might have different views on how that happens, right? Your view might be a little bit more metaphysical than mine, for example, but I, I think that they all tie in, they all connect. Um, I believe in helping people with their lives, not just with their jobs. I believe that a leader should be um, taking some time at their events and working with their people to be sharing things that are not necessarily related to the job but that are related to personal well-being. Mm -hmm. um, if you have you know, parents in your organization, right? Why not have a conversation about parenting once in a while at a meeting where people are you know, discussing how to improve their business, but you take a few minutes to say, hey, how are we doing on this side of our life as well? Mm -hmm. And you talk about stuff like that. Um, I believe that leaders should be helping people with things like personal finances, right? We're not just here to help people earn as much money as they can, but we're here to help them learn what to do with it after they earn it so that it can facilitate more of their personal well-being, mm -hmm. right? Um, so 
that's how I would sort of view the idea of a leader or a company um, helping people with their personal well-being. Mm-hmm. All important information there. Thank you so much for that. Yeah. So now here is the question on dialing in, Dan. <laughs> how do you dial in and what does dialing in mean to you? Or I guess you could say, what is it that you're dialing into? What would I be dialing into? What does dialing in mean? Uh, mm. Shannon, when I think about the idea of dialing in, um, the first thing that comes to my mind is knowing what you want, mm-hmm. right? Because dialing in is not about earning more if that's not what you care about. It's not about you know any external reward you know, might be meaningful to somebody else, but isn't meaningful to you. It's dialing in is looking within your own self to see what's most important to me in my life. What do I want, right? What's going to help me to be as fulfilled as I can be. And for some people, they find that in their work. And for other people, they don't find that in their work at all. They find that you know, they minimize their work and they find it in their, their time at home with family, or they find it in a pursuit or a hobby. Um, so truly knowing like, what is it that you want? Um, it, that's what first comes to mind when I think about, uh, dialing in. Um, I also think about just being happy in the present, so oftentimes when we think about what we want, um, part of why we want it is because we don't have it now, today. And therefore, it's easy to get upset about something we don't have today, right now. It's easy to view that, that sort of lack um, in a negative way um, versus realizing that you know, life is a process and that it takes time to get the things that we want. Um, some people achieve you know, a lot of things they want in their life in their twenties and some, and, you know, don't till they're in their eighties, you know, who knows? Um, and so being happy in the present, which I do believe circles back to this concept of meaning making Shannon that, you know, you, we choose on a daily basis, if we're going to be happy or not, it's not about the circumstances that we have. It truly is a personal choice that we are making on a daily basis, even when there's struggle, being happy in that struggle, relishing in that struggle, seeing what good can come out of it. What is the gift or the blessing? Um, so, you know, knowing what we want, being happy in the present as we're pursuing it. And then, and then I would add contributing to others. Um, I saw a, a really old man speak one time in Sacramento, California, uh, nearly 30 years ago. And um, and he, he shared this concept that he called above the line or below the line and uh, being below the line meant, you know, your emotional state, right? He, he sort of, uh, described this concept as it pertains to your emotional state, your emotional state's going to get below the line from time to time. And when it gets below the line, you got to get above the line because your decisions you make and things you do when you're below the line are never good. And he said, the number one way you get above the line is through what he called contribution. 
It's do something for someone else, do something nice for someone else, contribute to someone else, you know, impact somebody positively. And you can't help but feel better when you do that. And so to me, you know, being dialed in is, is, uh, you know, doing that as well. Um, and I think that's, you know, I, I listened to your first podcast episode, Shannon, and you described how you're doing this podcast because you need to, right? It's your medicine to heal your own self. Mm-hmm. And I think there's something pretty compelling in that that people can learn from and take um, to think about how can they continue to heal their own selves through doing something that contributes to other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you've given so much great advice in this short hour, less than an hour that we've had here today. And uh, I know I've always looked up to you as a leader. And uh, I remember even 20 years ago, I was like, wow, that Dan Cassetta, he's sure doing, uh, doing a great job. And and uh, you're always someone that I looked up to. So I just want to thank you for being such a great leader and a great person uh, in a great organization. And it's such a pleasure to know you and to have known you all these years as well. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for saying that. And the feeling is definitely mutual, Shannon. So do you have any final words to leave us with here today, Dan? Final words. Um, you know, I just did a podcast episode shortly before uh, U.S. Thanksgiving with a guy that wrote a book about gratitude. And it was so fun. It was so awesome. It was a great conversation. And it just reminded me that um, gratitude changes everything. Um, if you spend every day grateful for all the blessings that you have, your mind is focused on blessings. Your mind is focused on positives. Uh, you're less likely to dwell on the negative things that come along. Uh, most of those things will come and go a lot more quickly uh, in your mind and in your heart. And uh, the world changes, your whole perspective changes. So living with that, that feeling of uh, gratitude for all of the ups and downs of life, that paradigm to me is, uh, is paramount in being successful and being happy. Thank you so much. Yeah. So how can people get in touch with you if they would like to uh, follow your podcast or your website? Oh, yeah. I would love for any listeners to um, follow me and be in touch with me. Um, You can find me on LinkedIn or Facebook uh, primarily. Um, And I also have a website. It's dancassetta.com, D-A-N-C-A-S-E-T-T-A.com. Um, and my podcast website is changinglivespodcast.com. Um, on the podcast site or on my website, um, there's a spot to sign up um, to be on my email list. I do not send out a ton of emails. Just, you know, first disclaimer, don't <laughs> expect to get a lot of stuff from me, but do expect that when you get something, it will be high value Um, And so I try to provide stuff, you know, maybe once every two weeks or once a month. It's sort of very high value information I've been learning that I wanted to pass out. And I would encourage people to uh, follow me there. Wonderful. Thank you so much. All right. It's been great. Good to see you. Thanks, Dan. You too. So that is it for our episode today on the Dialed In podcast with Dan Cassetta. 
Dan starts by reminding us that there's an expression that the outer starts with the inner and that he believes that that's the starting point for making things around us better. It's making ourselves better. He then goes on to talk about how important it is to share what we learn. He says, there is an expression that the teacher learns more than the students due to a concept of internalization of value. We have to internalize information in order to learn it. The more that you are teaching the things that you learn, the more they become a part of who you are. When asked about what makes a good leader, he talks about the paradigm of servant leadership. He says leaders are here to serve others, not the other way around. I think the first aspect of being a good leader is getting that. He also talks about the importance of communication, competency, vision, and trust. He says, trust is the foundation for all good relationships, and every leader needs to be conscious of doing the things that build trust within their organization. He then finishes by telling us what dialing in means to him, and it's all about knowing what you want. He finished by reminding us of the importance of helping others and that gratitude changes everything. I hope you all enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Thanks so much, Dan, for sharing your wisdom with us. We'll see you again on the Dialed In Podcast. Thank you for joining us on the Dialed In Podcast. This is your host, Shannon Lynn. Namaste. Namaste.